everyone. Thanks for joining. Today, I am speaking with Thomas Sheedy. Thomas is, I'm sorry, I'm going to get this wrong. You're the president and the founder of Atheist for Liberty? That's correct. So, I mean, I've been following some of your stuff for a little bit. I mean, you know, like there's people who are um, I think on your advisory board, like Colin Wright and um, a couple others that I follow. And so I see, keep seeing, you know, things for Atheist for Liberty come up. And then on the other side, there was a lot of controversy coming from other, I guess, left-leaning atheist groups. Because I don't want to put you as right-leaning or anything like that, but like other atheist groups that are left-leaning were just, oh, you're you're complaining that you go to conservative gatherings and things like that. So I was just wondering if you could talk about Atheist for Liberty, like why you started it, what you why you thought something like that was needed, and then well, I. Well, yes, absolutely. I love talking about the history of atheist liberty because it's something I'm I'm very quite proud of. But first, I want to say thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I know we've been uh, we've been going back and forth trying to make this happen. So I'm I'm glad that now uh, this is uh, this is occurring. So when it comes to the history of atheist liberty, um, like yourself, I was heavily involved in the new atheist movement. It was this movement that was sweeping the West, especially the United States, Canada, a lot of English speaking nations, um, pushing for uh, pushing for reason, pushing for secularism and pushing for the acceptance of atheism, the normalization of atheism. Um, I served in multiple different positions throughout a lot of think tanks of 501c3 nonprofits here in the States. Um, from when I was in high school all the way up into my college years, um, I dedicated myself to being an atheist activist. I wanted to push for enlightenment values, um, the same values that has kept our civilization intact, um, while simultaneously saying that as a godless person, I deserve to be socially at least treated equally uh, alongside my, uh, my religious peers. Um, and the new atheist movement was growing all the way up from the early 2000s into the mid 2010s. But Around the time of 2015, 2016, we saw the rapid decline of the new atheist movement. And it was because these organizations which were meant to be, at least be politically neutral and ideologically neutral when it came to non-separation between church and state issues, got involved in other different matters and injected their woke left-leaning or, or far left-leaning or whatever you want to call it, social justice views into these organizations and into the movement, which quickly let, led to a rapid divide and later collapse. Now, when I was at the second Reason Rally in 2016, the Reason Rally is meant to be the largest gathering of atheists in the world. They did that successfully nearly 10 years ago. In four days, it'll be the 10-year anniversary of the first rally. But I went to the 2016 rally, and it had only a few hundred to maybe 1,000, 2,000 people max. We saw a rich, vibrant movement that was bipartisan collapse in just a few short years because we allowed social justice to take priority over atheism and secularism. When I realized this, I led my local atheist group at the time, the Long Island Atheist, for a few years trying to think of what to do. And then when I transferred from community college into university, I came to the conclusion that a lot of the work that the new atheists were doing and a lot of the work that the atheist movement was doing was left unfinished, that there was still a lot of good that could be done in the name of organized atheism here in the United States. And not only that, there's a lot of things that, that can be done that the atheist movement made mistakes in doing that we can 
uh, that we can work on ourselves. So I came together with a few veterans of the new atheist movement, people that have experience in these nonprofits and organizations who are not woke and wanted to see the work of, of organized atheism continue. And I helped found Atheists for Liberty. Okay. <clears throat> You'd mentioned, I mean, there's quite a bit there. So, well, for the first thing, like on my end of it, I don't know if I'd say I was ever part of like new atheism or anything like that. I was overseas until 2014. So, and then I was, and I left before social media was a thing. So there was like, I wasn't, yo, yes, I was an atheist, but I wasn't like, you know, there was no way for me to be vocal about it. And, and it wasn't something I thought about a lot either. It was just when I got back from overseas and I saw the, you know, I got called a white supremacist for criticizing Islam. And I mean, you know, like I come from a Muslim background and I just like, where's that coming from? So I was just looking at it from that end. And I, I mean, I got involved with XMNA and I was more so for Sarah and Muhammad's stance on free speech than anything else. Um, you know, that's, it's pretty much the only dog I have in any fight is like, you know, free expression. And I don't yeah. care, you know, just like, if we don't have that, we don't have anything else. So like and that used to be that used to be a core element of, of what what we were fighting for in the atheist community, um, especially in a post 9-11 world. We as atheist organizations and atheist activists are saying you should be able to criticize the religion of Islam, just like we can criticize any polit anybody's political ideology, uh, any any other religion. But especially around the 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 mid 2010s, 2014, with the Bill Maher Ben Affleck debate where mm -hmm. I saw that live um, there was a culture that brewed in the atheist community of how dare you criticize Islam. I can criticize Christianity all day long. Um, I can, I can call Christians names. I can do this and that, but if you dare go after the religion of Islam, the religion of minorities here in the United States, or the religion of a minority group in another country, therefore you are a bigot. Therefore you are a racist. Therefore you are a white supremacist. They called Sam Harris, Bill Maher and Bill Maher white supremacist. I woke up, after that that uh, that infamous interview that happened on real time, and I saw in my Facebook newsfeed national leaders, state leaders, and local leaders in the atheist community going after Bill Maher and Sam Harris because they didn't fit into the social justice intersectional hierarchy. That even though they were atheists that were criticizing Islam, just like they were criticizing Christianity from a rational new atheist point of view, they yeah. were still attacked. And we saw this rapidly unfold during those years where people who were who were criticizing Islam just like they were criticizing Christianity and Judaism, all of a sudden they were they were bigots, even though they were praised by this movement for over a decade. Yeah. Um but like I, I just want to stick with the Islam thing for a second because then move on from that. But you'd mentioned the reason rally in 2016. So I'd gone to that and um yeah there wasn't a lot of people I think you know like you said between five and ten at like the peak of it at any point like you know like during midday type of thing but uh five and ten thousand but okay so i was wearing this t-shirt that said uh there's a picture of the prophet muhammad on the back of my shirt and on the back <laughs> of it, on the back of it said no there isn't just kidding please don't kill me like praise allah or something like that yeah <laughs> no that's funny okay uh, overall the reaction was was pretty positive when people saw that. Like I had a, I had a bunch of cops at one point. Like, oh, we got to take pictures with the shirt. And so they're, they're like, yep. so, so that was, but there was a fairly large, you know, I'd say maybe about 20% of the people got really pissed off of that shirt. 
And it's like Islamophobic, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, but this is, you know, it's, it's reason rally. It's supposed to be like a gathering of atheist groups. And it's just, right. you know, I, I, I know it was only one day, but there was, you know, running to people over the weekend. I had another shirt that said, uh, uh, no, it's cool. Jesus died for my sins. And everyone loved that one. They thought it was great. You know, like I didn't have yeah. any complaints about that one whatsoever. And do you know what's so sad? Four years prior at the first rally with the, you know, 30,000 people in the mm. rain showing up for the first event, mm. you would have not gotten hate for that shirt. You had Richard Dawkins on stage at the first rally mm. saying mock and ridicule these beliefs. Mm. You know, now in 2016, there was a rapid administrative shift. Social justice became the priority and not secularism, not atheism. And that's why you got attacked because the majority of atheists who are normal people who, who like, who would like that shirt of yours, they didn't show up. Thunderfoot made numerous different videos criticizing the rally's organization and honestly, rightfully so. But when I showed up there, I was in high school, I was just about to graduate and I wanted to get my career started in these think tanks, having the same mentality as you, by the way, and I saw, and I, I enjoyed myself still, you know, because I got to be among many heroes that I still looked up to who still weren't kicked out of the movement yet. <laughs> but it still wasn't the same. It wasn't what I thought, it wasn't what I thought it would be. And that's because of, of this insane, ugly, negative transformation of this once vibrant, rich movement that could have changed the world for the better. Yeah. Now, again, I'm, I look at this from, you know, like, like I said, I got back in 2014. So mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I, when I was overseas, yeah, you know, time to time, I'd watch videos by Sam Harris or Hitchens and things like that. And, you know, like Hitchens, I'd known before I'd read his articles, you know, earlier before, like you know, the whole new atheist movement or whatever. Um, one of the things I found, or when I look back at it in hindsight, I kind of blame, I don't want to say blame or anything, but I kind of look at, and uh, these are people I have incredible amount of respect for, but like Harris and Dawkins, Dennett to some extent, not Hitchens so much, uh, because when I find like Dawkins, especially Dawkins and Harris, they were so strident and not that Hitchens wasn't strident, but Hitchens talked about enlightenment values a lot more than Dawkins and Harris did. Dawkins and Harris would, you know, okay, you need the critical thinking. You need to think critically, you know, follow science, but they right. put that on such a pedestal, like, now I'm I'm gonna I'm kind of extrapolating from what I've seen from um, ex-Muslims, especially younger ones. So you know, like I said, I I started getting involved in this in 2014, 2015, and they were so repressed before they got to university. Let's just say, and you know, what they were allowed to read was very limited. What they were allowed to see was very limited. They had you know, in some cases, no non-Muslim friends, and then they get to college. Or they might have heard, you know, like junior and senior here in high school, or a little before, they might have heard some stuff from Harris and Dawkins, or like you know the the yeah. four the four horsemen, or whatever you want to call it. And they get to college, and they're like, okay, these are these are the intelligent people, these are the smart people, this is critical thinking. These people have thought things through. Now, if they had gone into any of the humanities, you know, like STEM really hadn't been infected, but if they got into the humanities, and they're like, oh well they see something that's like a like critical race theory. Okay. It's anti-racism or, you know, gender theory or queer theory, like, you know, fighting transphobia, fighting homophobia, fighting all this stuff. So like, Oh, this is the exact opposite of the Abrahamic faiths. That's what I'm going to go towards because, right. and then, you know, my heroes have been telling me that these people know what they're talking about and these are educated and, you know, 
they have PhDs and blah, 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 blah. They're, they're following the science. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, I find that people like Dawkins, Dawkins and Harris talked about it, but didn't really give the tools. And I think that's, I think that's one of the issues with any kind of movement, like with the atheism movement or anything like that is, mm-hmm. you know, you go to church every week and you get that reinforced, you know, people keep going back to see Anthony Robbins and get that, whatever self, you know, self-confidence message, like reinforced over and over and over again. But, you know, you'd watch a couple of Harris videos or Dawkins videos or whatever videos by Dennett, anyone like, you know, any of these people, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like it was a reinforced message and they weren't explaining it. So I, I'm kind of thinking like, they turned a blind eye to what was really going on on campuses and they turned a blind eye to what was going on. Like, the, like, like my, my whole thing was I was trying to figure out why I was being called a white supremacist for, for criticizing mm-hmm. Islam where they were just denouncing it, but they weren't looking into it further. And I think they, they kind of pushed a lot of people into the arms of this woke movement because they said, Oh, well in college, the educated people will tell you what to do. And it's instead of like the priest will tell you what to do. Right. And in a sense, in a sense, I'll defend them on this. I would make the argument that liberalism or team blue, I guess, from a U.S. perspective. Right. It was different, I would argue, in the early 2010s compared to later on in the decade. Um, I think when this campus madness and the social justice division started happening on college campuses and the atheist movement, Gamergate, and then later on throughout our entire society, both in the public and private sectors, I think that this surprised Richard Dawkins. I think that this surprised people like Sam Harris and Daniel Dennett because they were so used to blue liberalism being this kind of enlightenment opposition to theocracy, this opposition to this trad social conservatism that at the time was like anti-gay marriage, anti-bodily autonomy in many respects, anti-contraception, anti-sexual you know, uh, education, uh, procreationism. And through a very, very short amount of time, though, we saw these di- gigantic shifts in all of politics to where now I would I would personally make the argument that moderate conservatives and libertarians and, and people in the conservative movement and some Republicans, some of them actually echo more of the values of what I thought Democrats and what I thought like Enlightenment liberal IDW types had in the early 2010s. I find myself ideologically to be the same, but I find a completely different political set in the United States to be echoing my values more. Um, So I think it was, I think it was very surprising for Dawkins because he was so reliant on his side being the enlightenment side. And I think also just being somebody who was in academia for so long for, you know, in those decades without having those problems I, I think he just he just didn't get it. Additionally, when you're so famous and when you're being platformed so much, you you have kind of this limited view of what you can kind of see. You know, Richard Dawkins at the time in 2016, when the movement really went downhill, the Richard Dawkins Foundation for Reason and Science merged with CFI, the Center for Inquiry. And he was being platformed everywhere. And he was just being shown, in, I would argue, all the positives that were still going on in the movement through this administrative lens. And then I'll also agree with you on Hitchens. Hitchens, in comparison to the other four horsemen, the other three horsemen, he came from a more political and ideological and historical place. Um, Dawkins is hard science. Dennett is hard science. Sam Harris is kind of hard science, right? 
Hitchens is the Vanity Fair journalist that will get waterboarded just to see how it feels. You know, he is the one who will say anything to stand for his values and his principles. He's the one who's who go, who went on talk shows even before new atheism was popular talking about political issues and current events, right? He was in the United, he emigrated to the United States decades prior because ideologically he saw the United States as a beacon of Jeffersonian freedom. Um, compared to the others, you know, where they kind of got looped in to the atheist fight because of things that happened to them. Hitchens was ready to get in like a day or two after 9-11. Um, so I, I totally get that. I totally understand that. But I have, I still do have sympathy for, um, in many regards, these, these blue IDW liberal types who still kind of didn't get it. And some of them who are still not getting it who are coming over the fence now. Because I, I'll say from my own perspective, it was a shock to me. I... <laughs> yeah. but some others who have gone through things that are way worse i can only imagine what it's like for them no i mean look i can understand that and okay people have a limited amount of bandwidth people can only focus on certain things that are, you know so many so yeah. many things at once I, I i grant all that but here's the thing like i just still look at them and saying okay maybe i was you know the the metaphorical frog thrown in the boiling water and they were sitting in there and just taking in the heat and and yeah. you know, so I because like I said, I was gone from 2002 to 2014, so I missed the buildup. I just saw it like you know, like I came back when the crazy exploded off campus. It was fun, and so <laughs> it was just like I'm like, what the hell's going on? So yeah, but again, I just still think like it's, maybe Harris not so much because he was out of academia. He you know once he got right. his PhD, he didn't really stick around. But people like Dennett, you know, who Dennett, okay, fine, he was doing sciences, but but I mean, he was doing like social sciences more than the hard sciences. And, right. you know, he should have seen what was going on in academia. I mean, Dawkins, like I said, he was, you know, Dawkins was a science communicator. I don't know if he's still a professor at that point or if he was just writing. I, I, I don't know where his career was. he retired was. around 15, 16 or 17. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, he, but I think he was so siloed off that they didn't, they didn't look like that's, that, that was my thing. It's like, you guys are talking about enlightenment values and, if you're really curious about why, you know, some girl is screaming at Nicholas Christakis in 2015 that they're not there to create an intellectual space for her at Yale. And it's like, what the hell else is Yale for? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, it's, that's like, I think they, maybe they were scared to look or they didn't want to look or, you know, oh, we've got, or they were blind, you know, especially when Trump came along. I mean, Sam Harris just went way off the board there it's like he didn't look at anything else and it was just like you didn't look at what was causing that to happen that, that's that's just my feeling of it and I, again like i'm not trying yeah. to be harsh I, I respect these people i think they're intelligent i think you know you know especially dawkins like what he's done in biology what he's done in science is amazing like i don't want to take any of that away it just i just think that there was a blind spot on their on their side oh definitely there. i'll I, you and i are on the same exact page and i get really really frustrated um you know for some people in the atheist movement, they had to have their lives destroyed for them to finally see what what mess they caused. Uh, look at Richard Carrier, for instance, right? He was the quote unquote intellectual artillery of Atheism Plus. And for, for those in your viewership who don't know what Atheism Plus is, this was the, the platform that the woke infiltration of atheism called itself. They, they officially titled it Atheism Plus, Atheism Plus Social Justice. And uh, Carrier was seen as the intellectual artillery of it, and he got me too'd. 
He got he got me too. I I would argue false me too. Uh, and along with along with a, a few of the others uh, in the movement, uh, David Silverman, uh, former president of American Atheists, who's now the advisory board chair of Atheist for Liberty, by the way, um, people such as Michael Shermer as well. They, uh, you know, well, well, Shermer was always against uh, the woke the woke stuff, but for Silverman and for Carrier, they had to have their lives completely ruined for them to wake up and realize, oh my God. I was in this administrative level in the atheist movement, thinking that what I was doing was good, when in reality, I, I aided in killing this movement. I aided in killing this community, all in the name of feminism, all in the name of social justice, all in the name of inclusion. Um, it's very possible also, and I, I, I state this as myself, I was one of the scared ones. When those two years after the Reason Rally, when I was an 18-year-old, leading a local American atheist affiliate group. And I was also an assistant state director for American Atheists. I was in a lot of positions still within the national orgs at the time. I didn't know really who at that top administrative level, you know, was secretly thinking like, like I was like, oh my God, this social justice madness is crazy. What are we going to do? I saw everybody rapidly criticizing Myth Informed, Mythicus Milwaukee in 2017 when they had their MythCon 4, MythCon 5 conference, this rapid condemnation of daring to have Sargon of Akkad and, and um, Shoe on Head and Armored Skeptic <laughs> on the stage, you know, at their, at their event. Somehow that's anti-atheist and anti-secularism and anti-humanist. Um, so I, I was scared. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to talk to. And I was kind of in the trenches. Uh, I was kind of in the trenches laying low. I, I eventually came to the conclusion in 2019 that I just couldn't stay quiet anymore. Um, but uh, I, I, if there is a fear component, if there is a fear factor within people similar to Dawkins and similar to Harris, I understand that too. But I would make the argument now that my patience for that is now, you know, getting thinner and thinner and thinner. Um, because organizations like Atheists for Liberty now exist. You have intellectuals that are speaking up against the madness on college campuses. You have people that have put their careers on the line for you who are fighting now back against critical race theory, who are fighting back against woke feminism going everywhere, against social justice infiltrating all of our institutions. Now is not the time to stay quiet anymore. Now is the time for people to get on board and to fight for something. Not to just create a void by fighting against something, but to stand up for the values that have made our civilization great. So I don't know if it was here. I don't know if it was with some of them. I don't know if it was, um, uh, you know, some of the other some of the other factors I, I listed. But um, either way, 2022 is no longer 2016, 17. Now we have platforms where we can fight against this. So if you are a fan of Richard Dawkins, if you are a fan of Sam Harris. You really do have to get on board now at this point. You know, Atheists for Liberty is growing every single day. We have volunteer committees that are rapidly growing. We have a state director program. We are building up the infrastructure to now we don't have to be afraid of these woke atheist bloggers who are going to ru ruin your reputation if you say something that goes against the party line. Those days are over. And uh, that's my that's my long rant. I go on long tangents. I no, say no, this no, on every, every podcast <laughs> I go on, but it's for a reason. Yeah. It's for a reason because I'm I have I think I, I I think I hold the same frustrations that you do when it comes to this. You know, I've been in this community now for a long time. I started to get involved more heavily around the time that you got involved when you got back from overseas. And I have this anger and I have this frustration that now we can't, you know, sit in the corner and wonder who's woke, who's not woke. 
The point is, is that if you really are against the social justice madness, you got to get involved. You got to get involved and you got to speak. Yeah, there's when you're talking about the fear and all that, but there's one thing like I want to just get back to something I and I agree with you about the fear. And I mean, I, I, I mean, I definitely know about that, like, you know, like anyone who speaks out against Islam, that's something you got to worry about right there. But um, I don't know if you read Macon Rel- Phelps Roper's book, um, I think it was called Unfollowed. Um, so no, I haven't. There was one, like it was right at the start, and she's talking about her grandfather. And okay, this is not a defense of the Westboro Baptist Church or anything like that, but her grandfather said, okay, I want you to go out and read all these books. Like, so he pushed her to read arguments for free speech. He pushed her to read all these things because he was like, this is what your enemy believes. And I want you to know what your enemy's doing. And I find that, especially in the atheist movement, you know, like I said, when I came back, there was a, like the first thing I saw, like when I saw some of this woke stuff, and I wasn't all everywhere, like in 2014, it wasn't that persuasive. I think it would, you know, it had yes. gotten through a large chunk of it, but it still was the minority where, oh, don't read this. Don't read that. You can't talk about this. You can't talk about it. I'm like, okay, blasphemy yeah. laws. And it just, and then when I, I really go well, her book and it's talking about the Westboro Baptist church is talking about your know, grandfather founded it. And he's actually, he's actually living out mill. Like, you know, like, you know, he that only knows his side of the argument knows little of that. And he's telling her, go out and see the other yeah. argument, read it. Where For people who think that Fred Phelps was this dumb idiot who yeah. didn't know his talking points, didn't know how to wage a cultural war effectively. That's not true. He was involved in the civil rights movement, actually. Um, decades prior, back in the 1960s, 1970s, because according to his wacko, uh, you know, uh, religious logic, um, uh, God is uh, God is against gays, but not against blacks. Um, and because of that, he was actually involved in the civil rights movement. But he has had a long history of being involved with numerous different other communities and politics, and and learning, you know, other people's backgrounds, and. Um, the Westboro Baptist Church has waged a very effective, and they still wage a very effective uh, war against uh, against many of our, you know, many of our allies. Um, and they 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 still do it very effectively because they know optics, they know how to get people's attention. Um, it's why they've been around for so long. So that what what you're telling me doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I know he Fred Phelps passed away a few years ago, but uh, the the institution still stands because he built, he built something that, that, that still uh, is still able to cause quite a ruckus in American politics. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, I don't want to get too deep into this. And again, I'm just going by what I read in the book, but sure. He like, after his passing, the church lost that leadership with that vision. So it's become more, again, I'm just, going by what i read in her book it's gone more towards a more fundamentalist and it's it's losing that aspect of you know actually going seeking out what the other side is saying and it's just okay this is we know this and this is true and unfortunately Mm -hmm. like i said from about 2014 i started seeing it in a lot of the atheist groups and it was okay Mm -hmm. again i shouldn't say groups it was more individually like the first person i noticed this in was um what's her name uh ina like she goes by nice mangoes i mean okay like right away, I just started seeing in her. Like, I mean, it's you know, initially I saw some, listened to some of her interviews, and they're okay. These are pretty good, whatever. But then it just this steep curve towards like yo know, woke 
social justice, you know, insanity, like right away. And it just, actually, I think she was one of the first people I saw aside from, you know, Ben Affleck, but you know, like really pushing that Sam Harris is a white supremacist. And, you know, I'm like, okay, but you know, as I was, to me, it was like, okay, you're calling me a white supremacist because I say the same thing as Sam Harris. And that's like, it just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I started seeing this too with numerous different YouTubers that I watched, a lot of people in national orgs that I was following at the time. Um, and this is why during those two years after the reason, rally, when I was 18, 19, even 20, bits of bits of me being 20, I, uh, I didn't know who to trust. I didn't know who was really on board with this stuff and really who really wasn't. I was just in the trenches playing the, the survival game in the atheist community, but it was, uh, it's really disheartening. Um, but here's the good news now. And I said this, I said this a few minutes ago, we now have infrastructure in place for atheists who no longer have to be in the closet about opposing the social justice madness. Now atheists for liberty exists. Before 2019, you know, there wasn't any national 501c3 nonprofit that was openly standing against the social justice religion, that was openly willing to oppose crazy religions from all different corners of society. Um, But back in the day, if you were opposed to social justice, you were called a radical, you were attacked on blogs, you were, uh, you know, Thunderfoot was seen as a pariah in the atheist community very early on for being one of the early voices on YouTube to stand up against the stuff. My, uh, my communications manager, Justin Bakula, um, he was one of the early people too, standing up against woke feminism, taking over the conference scene. Um, and, uh, well, it, it, it really was a show of, uh, a fear. I would say yeah. when, when you're at these conferences, I didn't know who to trust. But, you know, like, I, <clears throat> again, I, I've, I don't want to say I've given up or anything, but it's, for me, it's just like my, like I said, my, the only dog I have in any fight is free speech. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm defending my enlightenment values. And cause I, I look at, you know, let's take someone like Matt Delahunty and I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to be picking on people, but I mean, like Matt's got a big enough following and, you know, he's, he's large enough that I can think I criticize him. He's, but okay. The, the transgender issue. And when he's like, you know, completely going after Dawkins. I'm like, okay, but you talked about following the science. You talked about listening to reason, whatever. Yeah. And you're just discounting all anything Dawkins says because he doesn't believe in your ideology. I'm just looking at these. And again, I wonder if it was, they were told what to think. And they moved from, they moved from one set of beliefs to another because the other seemed diametrically opposed to what they'd come from but they never learned a new way of thinking and it just i think it's being i think someone like dylan hunty is you know is exemplifying that like he's so i mean it is a new religion like you mentioned like you know oh, religions okay. of all all types right like so yeah and, and with dylan hunty it's very unfortunate i used to uh watch the atheist experience all the time when they had yeah. live streams online on their website uh when i was in high school i would i would I, every sunday i believe that's when they they aired I would watch Matt Dillahunty all the time. I would binge old clips of him because he was on the show from 2005 to now. Um, I, uh, I would, I would watch as many Matt Dillahunty clips as possible because he was seen as one of these fiery, amazing uh, militant atheist types too. And uh, the problem was, is that he always hung around the local atheist groups and the, 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 unlike Dawkins and, and 
Harris and the others who were kind of in this intellectual sphere where they were they were more in their own world. So they, they thought a little more clearly beyond the group mentality. And by the way, I do love organizing groups. I lead one. Mm-hmm. But uh, with Dillahunty, he stayed around the grassroots sect of atheism, which got corrupted and polluted very easily by social justice. Right. The atheist experience is part of the atheist community of Austin and the atheist community of Austin got very, very, very woke. So much so that in 2019, when you had um, rationality rules, he's an atheist YouTuber speaking up. Uh, I wouldn't say speaking up against trans uh, trans sports or, or uh, transgender women in sports, but at least questioning it and having a conversation about it where there could be potential criticism. Um, he was denounced by the atheist community of Boston. Matt Dillahunty as well as an individual, he's had a pattern um, of just over the last several years being against anti-woke atheists and atheists who might be of different political ideologies. When MythCon 4 happened in 2017, Sargon of Akkad tried to pull him over and have a rational conversation with him to try to personally connect. And Matt Dillahunty, I was told this by the by the MythCon organizers, the myth-informed organizers, he just immediately pulled away. He went over to the MythCon organizers and he said, yeah, this big tent atheism thing, this cannot work. Don't you notice how when it comes to the big tent and accepting atheists of all views to really build a dynamic atheist community and atheist movement, it wasn't, quote unquote, our side, the non-social justice non-atheism plus side that backed away and cooperating and working together it was them it was them matt dillahunty for a long time i thought was a big tent guy same with seth andrews who i recently came to the conclusion is not he he is completely drank the woke kool-aid same with hemant meta right for friendly oh, yeah. atheist he is yeah. he has gone after me now numerous times and has gone after atheist celebrity and and uh david silverman advisory board chair of afl for sport at this point um, these people are not the rational thinkers either that we thought they were or that they used to be. Maybe they grifted and saw where the wind was blowing within their organization's circles. But either way, now they're just attacking us for sport. Now they are not standing up for what we used to think they stood for. And it stinks because I loved Mac Delante. He was so entertaining, and I loved the way he cut through Christianity and cut through religious belief like it was soft butter on his show. Um, it's why The Atheist Experience, which was a originally a boring call-in show that started in 1997, became this huge, massive thing to where Matt Dillahunty gained so much fame and popularity that you could see him on stage with Jordan Peterson in 2016 or 2017. And to see him turn into what we see him as today this social justice freak. Yeah. I mean, okay, it's, like, it's unfortunate. Yeah. 100%. But it's also, I mean, I'll get back to Dylan Hunting in a second. Cause I saw, there was something I saw of him in 2015 that just kind of like rung some alarm bells for me, but mm-hmm. all of them collectively, like Dylan Hunty, Seth Andrews, you know, you'd mentioned him at that, like all these people, like I just, that whole form of it, because I, I do believe this is a religion. I think John McCorder and like, you know, James Lindsay were like right on the money. Cause it's the yeah. first thing I saw. I'm like new blasphemy laws, but I started calling them woke evangelicals. I'm like, you're going around evangelizing this woke nonsense and you're nothing, but you're just, you know, you're just, and it's, it's sad because again, like you said, these were people who were pushing critical thinking. These were people who are pushing, you know, learning the other side. They were at least espousing enlightenment values. If, you know, but 
I saw so much of it. I just like there was I got disheartened. I mean, I don't want to harp on a lot of people here, but when I saw, you know, uh Armin from Atheist Republic, and Armin was someone I considered a friend, like when he starts burning the Quran and like pissing on it, I'm like, you don't burn books you disagree with. I mean, I I saw what the people in Iran were doing, and then this is when Armin really started pushing it. So there were all these people who were like said like the burn the Quran challenge, and I was like, no. <laughs> I'm like, show them a better way. Like, I understand why yeah. people in Iran are that frustrated and why they want to do it. But like, don't, don't push that way. That's especially like Armin, you know, with the podcast he does with Ali, they, they call it a Muslim, you know, they're, 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 for a Muslim enlightenment. I'm like, but yeah. the enlightenment wasn't the enlightenment because of the glow of bonfires of burning books. Like, you know, don't push that. And then when I see well, things like I, that, that gets me really. So, so I understand, I understand where you're coming from because, and actually this was a debate that we've been having in the atheist community for a very long time prior even to the social justice stuff. Um, the whole mentality of firebrand versus diplomat, uh, militant atheism versus, versus a more soft approach to, to communicating atheism or humanism or, or secularism or secular values or whatever you want to call it. Um, this was always something that uh, we've gotten into discussions for personally with me. I actually don't mind it um, because there are some people that, that are really turned on by the fiery mentality. And this is my logic. And, and I've seen this uh, speaking of David Silverman, I've, I've like repeated him for like a third time. He's gone through a model as to why firebrand atheism and militant atheism is actually good, even for the soft atheists. Basically, the hardcore atheists, the hardline atheists, they do something crazy like that or they do something big like that. They get a lot of mainstream media attention or press. And then for the atheists that uh, they, they do something, but they normalize a certain issue because they get that media attention right away. Then what happens is even for the atheists that maybe don't like that, that are have more of a softer approach, it then normalizes the soft core, more soft core organizations or soft core activists that have a different approach. In a way, the hardcore hardline atheists are pulling in an Overton window to normalize the better or the softer, or maybe in your case, the better approach. Um, so I understand and I get that. I have different concerns with Armin. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, I uh, personally, I, um, Armin, whenever I go on, whenever I have been on Atheist Republic streams, I was, I was a guest on Secular Jihadist too, uh, back in 2020. Um, I still don't, Think that he fully understands the mentality that we have at Atheist for Liberty of trying to be bipartisan uh, and not just appear like we're blue liberals. Um, he doesn't think that the conservative movement, I, I, and I don't want to put words in his mouth. I don't want to like fully attack him here. This is why I think, um, and Armin, if you're hearing this, if you want to chat with me about it, I'm totally down. Um, but the, I, I think he doesn't understand fully the the importance to a degree of being heavily involved still in 2022 in the conservative movement i still also think that he wants to cling on to being associated with people like hemet meta and seth andrews and these these atheist activists who have gone so far off the deep end i think because atheist republic was was in that movement and in that community for so long that i think maybe from an administrative perspective they have a fear of letting go of that atheist infrastructure that still exists because they've seen the, I, I bet they've seen the attacks that we've gotten from people like Kevin. They've seen the attacks and criticisms that, that people like Justin Bakula, who's our communications manager got from Seth Andrews. And maybe they are so worried that they'll be alone in the ether 
with not much support in the United States. If they dare to fully break away now. Um, and also, I know Armin thinks that, that being anti-woke is like, you know, criticizing anti-woke people is very fun, too. And it's like a funny sport. And it's just as good as criticizing old people. I know that he likes to be this kind of free spirit in a way. But simultaneously, we have to be organized and we have to be together. and We have to stand for joint values. And if, if you're associating with people who are just going to eventually kick you off the bandwagon one day and eventually call you a racist and eventually where the window of social justice is going to be pulled so far in that eventually you'll be seen as a pariah. I would make the argument now, just get off the train at that point, get off the train at that point and join up with the people who are willing to stand by you for these values. Like I saw here, I saw atheist Republic also, uh, I, again, I don't want to make this a whole criticism of atheist Republic. Um, but in July, they, uh, they stopped, uh, sharing Michael Sherlock's books on their social media. Michael Sherlock was the former executive director of Atheist Alliance International. He's now an advisory board member of Atheist for Liberty. And uh, they, they stopped continuing his books and they were attacking him when just a few months prior, they were really tight. They were really good friends. Um, and I've started to, and if Susanna, Armin, if you guys think I'm incorrect here, you can certainly chat with me about it, but I've been seeing them try to be closer with orgs like American Atheists and or the orgs that have gone more woke. And that's not going to work. Eventually, you're going to get criticism from the social justice crowd for burning the Quran, if, if they haven't already, yeah. um, from these organizations and institutions. And I think they are just, um, they are just trying, they did what I did. They are trying to just stay in that mess as long as they can before they get kicked out. And I would make the argument at this point, don't do that. Don't do that. It's it's really unwise. And I think eventually, I, I, I think it's going to just stall work that you can do now to try to band together with people that have way more in common with you than people who don't. Yeah. I mean, okay, look, I get that, the strategic point of it. My whole thing with like mm -hmm. burning the Quran or anything like that is there's already that huge censorious streak going through the you know, woke atheism or whatever. If you're actually purporting to be for, you know, civil liberties and freedom of expression and freedom of speech, your message should echo that and it should strengthen that. Burning a book because you don't like its ideas, even if it's, I mean, I, yeah, he's like, oh, it's my book and, you know, you can get electronic copies. I, I hear all his excuses. And to me, that's sophistry. It's, you know, he's like, yeah, it's your book. You can do with it. But you know what? Like, I actually made a video about that. When, when this first started going in Iran, when people were burning the Quran, I said, a better protest is to take the Quran, put it on your bookshelf, take a book like On Liberty or take a book like Areopagitica or take, you know, Thomas Paine and read that and spread that message. If you want to get a message out in Iran, it's, and it's just showing them because I mean, I was just like, you're just sitting in your own blasphemy laws. You're just, yeah. you know, you're doing exactly what the mullahs do. You're doing what, you know, the Catholics in Poland and the Catholics in some of the Southern States were doing when they were burning Harry Potter books, because, you know, it's witchcraft. And then it's the same as what the woke were doing because JK Rowling's is transphobic. Right. So I'm like, get away from the fundamentalism. And, and to, a de to a degree, I would, I would definitely fully agree, agree with you. And I think there are, there should be more spaces in our community for people who, who agree with that mentality. Not everybody has to be a firebrand. Not everybody has to be militant, but here's the good news with what I said about pulling the Overton window. So you have, ex-Muslims who do that, 
right? And we and we we should be, of course, supporting them and not ostracizing them. They are our allies and they are our friends in this. But then also, it has allowed for I hate to you know use progressive language too much, but actual diversity, actual diversity of thought when it comes to this. Now you have organizations like I'm assuming you know of Ideas Beyond Borders, yep. which exists to spread enlightenment thought, enlightenment values, and translate popular text into the native languages in the Middle East and other parts of the world um, in order to effectively communicate that 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 liberty is a, is, is a good principle that, that should be fought for in those regions of the world. That enlightenment value should be protected and encouraged in those regions of the world. So, and I, I saw this positively happen in the atheist community as well. Before the social justice takeover, that firebrand diplomat diversity. And I think if we can educate more people on that, encourage that business model where I don't think those people are going to stop burning the Quran. So let's just make sure that while those people do that, or if those people do that and they don't get burned out, <laughs> um, people like yourself and organizations like Ideas Beyond Borders are able to also come in and provide another option. So yeah. we can get everybody in the fight. Look, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we should ostracize people for bringing, and, and, you know, I look at someone in Iran, like some, some person in Iran videoing themselves burning the Quran because they're, you know, they're completely frustrated and they don't see any other mm -hmm. option. I take that differently than Armin going into a parking lot and just burning a Quran for shits and giggles. <laughs> like, you know, like, no, but there's mm -hmm. a, there's a difference there, right? There was also, there's a guy, uh, he's in Sweden right now. His name was Omar Makram and he became famous because he was trying to get uh, immigration or refugee status in Sweden and he was having some difficulties. So he videoed himself burning a Quran and then he got death threats and then right away he got he got the refugee status. And so he was doing that not out of the sake of, I hate this book. I want to burn it. But he's like, yeah, this is what's going to happen to me if I burn the book. And so like, I'm still opposed to burning the book, but I mean, I, I try to differentiate the different things, you know, like there's a reason you're doing it. And what is that reason you're doing it? I mean, and I can disagree with the reason I could try to show you something better, but yeah, I don't want to ostracize people, but you'd mentioned ideas around borders. And this is something that <clears throat> like, I look at some of the woke stuff, and when you mentioned ideas around borders, it's some of the woke stuff actually is having a harm for organizations like ideas beyond borders. And it's yes. also having harm. Um, there's a woman, um, uh, Vaish, I, just let me get her, get her name. I've spoken to her recently and she's from India and um, Vaishnavi, um, Vaishnavi Sundar. And she, she writes about how the, gender ideology in India is taking away women's rights before they can actually get them. Yeah. Um, in the Middle East, uh, especially like, you know, like I know Faisal very well. I know Mel Melissa fairly well. And mm -hmm. you know, I've spoken to some people from Ideas Beyond Borders. And one of the biggest pushbacks they get is post-colonial theory. Oh, th this is Western values. This is just colonialism again. And then I, you look at, uh, it was, I think it was the University of Cape Town in South Africa. It could be wrong about the university, but 2016, they held a conference that said science must fall. And a conference, they had it two years in a row. Then last year, that same university announced that they were going to be teaching black physics. Okay, so we're, we're exporting this, this crazy way of thinking to countries that haven't gotten full, like they never got onto the enlightenment, you know? Yeah. And, it's like we're stopping them. It's like, it's yeah. like, um, like, for example, I'm in favor of combating climate change. Uh, for instance, but I don't like it when we as Western, modern Western <laughs> nations then go to underdeveloped nations and say, oh, I'm so glad you just got cars. I'm so glad you just got the automobile. 
You have to stop that now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I see it as the same mentality. Yeah, no, um, it's, and, it's the same thing. Yeah. 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 <sighs> yeah. You know, like I said, that's right. one of my b- biggest worries with this stuff is it's, you know, I joke, I, well, I shouldn't, I kind of joke about it with like China. I'm like China, like did the belt and road thing and they're okay. That's all for China's benefit, but at least they're doing something in these countries where we're exporting this really hideous ideology that is harming these people. Like, I mean, okay. I, and yeah. I don't want to take that language again, but it is another form of colonialism. We're pushing mm-hmm. this like purely Western thought that shouldn't have, that should have stayed in the, on the Academy and never left. Yeah. And we're pushing this on these developing countries. Just like you said, it's like with the environmental stuff, like, Oh, you know, don't burn fossil fuels, just go to solar, but like they haven't even built up, yeah. you know, their, their and I, I would eventually like them to, to find other energy means. Like I'm, I'm still, by the way, in favor of, of uh, environmentalism. I, uh, you know, I, even me being on, on the right personally, yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm still on board with that, but we have to be realistic. We yeah. have to be realistic and we have to make sure that we don't shoot ourselves in the foot and us in going into South Asia, us going into the mm-hmm. Middle East and trade, having them trade in one form of extremism with another, it's not going to help at all. Nope. It's going not to a- kill all the efforts we claim to hold in the first place. Yeah. And I mean, I look at, you know, again, I try to be very careful on things like this. Like there's a thing in uh, Pakistan called the Orth March, which is like the woman, woman's march in, in, uh, in Pakistan. Mm. And I mean, it's a lot different than the, the woman's march in, you know, 2017 uh, with the, with the pussy hats and all that, like, you know, like it's a lot right. different than that, but, but there is some, when you listen to the rhetoric from the leadership, there is some of this same kind of ideology coming through. And it's like, this is not what Pakistan needs. You know, Pakistan needs women to get their rights. Pakistan needs women to be able to leave their homes without an escort. Pakistan needs women to be able to not have to wear the hijab and the niqab and like, you'll have that truly be a choice. They don't need, you know, they need Milton and Mill. They don't need Judith Butler and Gail Rubens. You know, <laughs> you know and that's, yeah. that's, like one some of the stuff like I look at it more globally and I worry about things like that. I'm like, are we Saudi Arabia exporting, you know, Salafi Islam to all these places? And then when we and when Saudi or some of the Middle East wants to pull back, like the outer colonies there, they're going mm-hmm. even stricter. And I I, I just kind of like a, look at it in that way. Yeah. No, I, I look at it the same way. Um Thankfully, with Atheists for Liberty, we're more of a U.S. organization. We're not international. So I get to I get to uh, I'm totally fine with people like Faisal and with people like Ayan Hirsi Ali and Yasma Muhammad uh, handling a lot of those matters. <laughs> I don't have to. But boy, is it a struggle. And boy, do ex-Muslims who believe in Enlightenment values and are against wokeism and who are also not fans of Islam. You guys have a lot a very big hill to, to climb. Um, when it when it comes to that, and uh, I will say this though, Atheists for Liberty, we at AFL, we are big supporters of the ex-Muslim community. Unlike the woke atheist organizations in the U.S., we actually do want to support the efforts of ex-Muslims to uh, to combat theocracy abroad. Um, even though we focus mostly on matters here uh, here in the West, um, it's every time I hear this, I sigh. Um, but it makes me hopeful for the future because I don't like to go to bed not uh not accomplishing anything when it comes to the fight for enlightenment values i like to make sure that that everyday atheist really makes an impact and i know that for many of our allies people like yasmin who's on our advisory board i know she has a very similar mentality yeah i mean you know the people some of the people you mentioned like okay like i said i know faisal very well yeah i know yasmin really really well unfortunately i don't know ayan i've met her once um mm-hmm. 
but yeah, I, I think what they're doing and, you know, everyone has their, what, what their focus is like, you know, IBB is focusing more on, and I, I think what they're doing is fantastic. Like, I think that's the perfect approach. Um, but I, I don't want to keep you much longer. I just can ask you once one last thing. Like, are you ever planning to like maybe get affiliated with similar minded atheist groups uh, globally, or are you just going to keep your focus on so, the United States? Ab absolutely. Um, so we're trying to be realistic into what we do programs wise. Uh, we want to, we want to be an alternate, you know, atheist hub for, for atheists in the United States and in Canada, for instance, who, um, you know, can't find an atheist group in their area or a national atheist group to support that, that actually still believes in classic good atheist activism and fights for enlightenment values. Um, but simultaneously, as we grow, we do want to have more of a presence around the world. Um, and we do want to partner with international organizations and we want to partner with other atheist organizations in particular countries and standing up for joint values. If there are, you know, atheists who contact our, you know, our contact form, they say that they are in a certain country for instance, where they're in trouble, we try to forward them to appropriate places where they can get the assistance they need. If there are Americans that are trying to contact those organizations into what's going on in the United States that stands for similar values, like, like the various organizations abroad that maybe haven't been corrupted as much by wokeism and by social justice, it is my hope <laughs> that, uh, that they recommend and that they show Atheist for Liberty as that place to be. Um, because we're growing every single day. We get new members every single day. We're, we are relaunching our streaming series on Thursday, April 14th. We have uh, interactive member events in our Discord server, and we're growing every day in that capacity. We are doing activism on the national stage in U.S. politics. We are being, trying to, to do our best to make atheism bipartisan. We are standing up against horrible religions and ideologies, um, both at home and abroad. Um, we're doing quite a lot here, and we are trying to do our best to, to, to get any and all atheists who are opposed to social justice madness, who are also opposed to theocracy, to come join us and to be a part of the fight. And we see that as a future where we can work with other organizations in accomplishing those goals. Well, great. Well, thank you very much, Thomas. It was great talking to you. Um, so thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Um, for those that are interested in checking us out, you can go to atheistsforliberty.org. We have memberships available along with numerous different benefits and packages that are listed. Starting membership is $12 a year. We advertise that as $1 a month. By giving $1 a month as a $12 a year payment, you get to support this great organization where we have a wonderful list of advisors and board and staff, and we're growing every single day. Um, we have a lot of amazing programs and amazing opportunities, volunteer opportunities. We want to have grassroots programs. We have a state director program as well. Um, really means a lot for you to have me on the show. For anybody who's interested in following us on social media, um, you can find us at Atheist Liberty on most platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're on Getter and Parler as well and other alternate social media platforms as well. We have an amazing YouTube channel. So please, everybody, become a member and come check us out at atheistforliberty.org. And thank you so much again for having me on. No problem. Thank you very much again for coming on. And I'll put all the links in the description. And thanks, everyone, for listening. I'll be back.